I have done a considerable amount of research on the subject matter that we're going to be talking about this weekend. And I'm a very simple-minded person. I like to take it through it and really simplify it, make it to where it's easy to understand. You are going to hear from experts that are going to get into great depth and talk about details. By the way, you will have access to everything. If it's not in your notebook, you have a PDF, a notebook full of PDFs of all of this information. What's not there will be on our website, including all of these videos. We're videoing this. It's at libertypastors.com. Great resources, and it's all free. All of these videos are there for you. We'll have PDFs. We'll have PowerPoints available for you to use in your own services. But I want to give you just a brief background on what Marxism and the Marxist strategy is before our expert Trevor Loudon comes up. Understand, Marx was born in the mid-1800s. He actually was born to a fairly affluent family, a Jewish family that changed into Protestantism. And he abandoned his faith early on. He was an atheist. His stated goal was to destroy God and to destroy capitalism. You'll find that there is a link there. He went to his first college as a law student, drank himself out of it in his first semester, wound up going to another university, changed his studies to philosophical things, wound up marrying an aristocrat, very successful family, and was a bum. He refused to get a job. He spent all his time in bars and libraries. Much like many of your college days. No, just kidding. <laughs> he lived off of his family's good graces until they said no more. He lived off of his friend's donation. Frederick Engels, one of his cohorts in Marxism, lived off it. He re his wife wrote in letters, she wept over their poverty. She had to sell everything they owned, literally slept on a wood floor because this bum refused to work. And then as a result of his economic situation, he blamed society. It's not his fault. In fact, he wrote a letter to Frederick Engels saying, I will, you will agree that I am dipped to my ears in a petty bourgeois pickle. He divided society into two groups, bourgeois, which was the property owners, and the proletariat, which were the non-property owners. And again, being an atheist, he wasn't responsible for where he was. He was a victim of his circumstances. So he sought to change society. And he thought if we could do away with capitalism, then we could create a perfect man. As a matter of fact, communal living was what his ideal was. Well, what would your suggestion be if you own nothing and refuse to work? Hey, yeah, let's share everything we've got and live off of it. What a brilliant strategy. He believed that private property is the root of all evil in the world, creating the classes of the bourgeois, the property owners, and the proletariat, the laborers. Now, remember this number. Remember 33. Three institutions that Marx believed must be destroyed. Then three steps to transform society. The three institutions are the same three institutions that God established on planet Earth. What a coincidence. God established the home. God established the ecclesia, the church. And God established civil government. Marx believed that the state was a tool of the proletariat. That the police were only there to suppress the working man on behalf of the property owners. Thus, the police must be eliminated. He believed that the church, being an atheist, he believed that the church was man's creation. Why? Well, what a great tool. Teaching people to not steal, not covet, not kill. To forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, forgave them. And the family a tool of capitalism, because without the family, then we wouldn't have an inheritance to pass down to our children. 
We wouldn't have to accumulate things or want to. But what does the Bible says? A good man gives an inheritance to his children and his children's children. So it's not a coincidence that these are the three things that Marxism is attacking. And remember, the goal is private property ownership. Now, that is why you see black businesses being burned to the ground alongside white businesses. Because it's not about Black Lives Matters. It's about private property ownership. That's why you see these white punk Antifa members. By the way, where's his mask? Cursing a black police officer. Because it's not about Black Lives Matter. Read their website. It's about destroying private property. That's why they're burning Bibles in Portland. What does that have to do with Black Lives Matter? It's not about black lives. It's about destroying private property and the church they believe is just a tool to prop up the proletariat. And that is why on their own website they vow to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. What is that? Husband, wife, raising their children. In fact, notice where they suggest we don't want families to raise the children. It takes a village. Miss Marxist Hillary Clinton takes a village to raise a child. So those three things are what's being targeted. The plan is this, three parts. One, perpetual conflict. Paid agitators. He was frustrated because they got the labor union to get up and go on strike. But then as soon as they got a pay raise, they went back to work. They were happy. That wasn't going to work because Marx's goal was revolution. So, since the regular labor union leaders weren't adequate, he employed paid agitators or community organizers to continue to sow seeds of discord. By the way, they don't care what the issue is. Some of the things in America, school choice versus teachers unions, LGBT versus straight, women's equality versus male dominance, open borders versus secure borders, pro-life versus abortion, Occupy Wall Street, the 99 percenters versus the 1 percenters, and of course the race issue, black versus white, even now the controversy of those that are wearing a mask and those that aren't wearing a mask. And a Marxist axiom is this, the issue is never the issue, the issue is the revolution. Ploy paid agitators, remember we saw this video last night, Patrice Cullors, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, admits that she is a organizer, a trained organizer, by her words, a trained Marxist. Folks, I'd never even heard of the term community organizer until 2007, 2008. And I'm not saying anything. I was talking to a gentleman a while ago. I don't care about race. I don't care if a man's purple or a woman's purple if they believe in upholding the Constitution. In fact, back in 2008, I was an Alan Keyes supporter. Alan Keyes is about as dark as you get. But he was a God-fearing conservative. He's right down my alley. But understand, his own writings, his father was a communist. He admits it. His mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, was a card-carrying communist. He admits it. 
His cohorts that launched him in politics, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, were part of the Weather Underground. They were wanted for, for blowing up federal buildings back in the late 60s and early 70s. They are avowed communists. Why should we be surprised with the policies that President Obama wished to bring into our civilization, into our society, into our country? And let me tell you, if their plan had gone on and if Hillary had been successful, and eight years of this, we would have been done. Let me just tell you this. I preached some, let me tell, all this stuff, that, what, what came out in the last 24 hours about the CDC and the 6%, we were preaching about this early May. This just smelled. Preached the message. Go to our website, Fairview Baptist Church, Edmund, called Connecting the Dots. We called this out. Everything was going perfectly according to plan to weaken our country, to integrate the United States into the United Nations and global government. The repeat of Nimrod and Babel. Everything was going along perfectly until this great crazy guy. And let me tell you, folks, I'm not a Trump fan. I never watched The Apprentice once. As God is my witness, I never watched that show once. I didn't even like Trump. I was a Ted Cruz supporter in, in, in the last round of elections. But look what happened. He surprised everyone. Nobody thought it could happen. What was his policy? Make America great again. Let's defend our borders. Let's renegotiate these trade deals. Let's call China out for stealing our intellectual property. Whoa. And look at our economy. Back in February, we were rocking and rolling. There was no chance that he wasn't going to be reelected. And what's happened since then? This largely overblown pandemic. Yes, there is a legitimate virus. Yes, a certain section of the populace is susceptible. We had a man in our church that we performed the funeral service for uh, about a month ago that they said, oh, he died with COVID. His family said, you will not report that. He was 87 years old in a wheelchair and had had multiple strokes and suffered from severe Parkinson's. It wasn't COVID. Amen. <laughs> We, we, need to, we need to promote the truth, folks. We're going to be teaching critical thinking. We're going to talk later on about how to read the news and discern the fact from fiction that you read in the media. So we've got lots of stuff in store for you. Uh, again, the perpetual conflict that results in negation, the death of that society so that they can rebuild the new one, which is transformation and change. Here's how it looks. Right now, we are at freedom. People own their own property, make their own decisions about buying and selling and working. Marx's goal was this, complete communal living. He really believed this. He wasn't trying to see, he really believed in communal living. But man's not prepared for that. We've got to evolve into being able to work and everything, just pile everything together. And then uh, everybody works as much as he can and only takes what he needs. In between is this nasty phase called the dictatorship, I'm not kidding you, I wish I was kidding you, the dictatorship of the proletariat. Oh, it's a dictatorship, but don't worry, this is your dictatorship. You know why it's necessary? Because all these people over here in freedom that worked 30 years to pay their house off don't want to just give it away. Those people there that have spent a lifetime building a business and sacrificing and working hard and saving money, they don't want to just give it away. So it has to be taken away. And that's why you need a strong people's army. 
And then once people discover, as, as Raphael will talk about in his presentation, that everybody makes the same, there's no reward for hard work, you're going to make $20 a month regardless of your position, uh, well, you're not going to be very motivated to go to work. And perhaps you don't like the job they've asked you to do. Well, that's why we need the secret police and the people's army to help motivate you to get to work. And it never gets past this dictatorship of the proletariat where the state owns everything, the state owns everybody, the state is God. And every one of these dictatorships looks the same, whether it's Lenin's Russia, Mao's China, Fidel's Cuba, Chavez's Nicaragua, Kim's North Korea, they're all the same. Right now, we are in that stage of paid, continual agitation. They want us to do this, to do this, to do this, until we just say, I'm tired. Make it go away. Somebody make it stop. Whatever you want, we'll do it. Mass, that's fine. Mandatory vaccine, that's fine. Whatever you say. And then it's all over. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard the old statement, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. We are just one generation away from losing it all. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. Hey, well, I want you to know, I'm one of those crazy people. I'm looking for the rapture. I mean, I know, you may not, I, I'm just one of those people. I'm looking for the Lord to come. I'm ready, I'm ready. But you know what? I don't know if it's going to come in two months or 22 years. And I want my children to raise my grandchildren in freedom. I don't want them to be persecuted for their faith or anything else. 